This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. We are not heading back into winter right now. This is not October. We have made it. We've made it to March 1st. So look at this. We have been able to get to the Groundhog February 2nd. We got to pitchers and catchers reporting in baseball. Now we've hit the month of March, and the month of March has been brought in by something that also means big things to come, and that is awards season. It kicked off last night with the 2021 Golden Globes, and here to help us recap everything that went on at a very different Golden Globes ceremony is the entertainment and trending supervisor with Global News, Chris Jancelowitz. Chris, thanks so much for taking some time for us. I like your enthusiasm, and no problem. You're not walking west at the moment, are you? Because if you are, I... just <laughs> shield yourself. It's windy out there. I don't even want to know. I'm going to stay indoors all day. Stay where you are. Stay indoors. And you know what? The Golden Globes did a lot indoors. Normally there's a red carpet and people are walking around. They did a virtual red carpet of some kind, didn't they, last night? They did. So a few people did it from home. They had some sort of um, step and repeat thing set up. I, I, I don't know. I don't understand how they did that. But uh, yeah, there was a few dresses on, on display and also a few hoodies, um, a few sweatpants. You know, it was good. <laughs> some pets here and there mixed in. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened here, because normally the Golden Globes happen earlier, do they not? Yeah, usually these take place in, you know, pretty early January. It's actually like right after the new year. It's usually the first week or second week. Uh, and then normally it's a, a pretty festive, uh, loose sort of booze fest. Uh, they all kind of have a few glasses of champagne. You know, there's a lot of jokes, a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge going on. Uh, that's just what the Globes are typically known for. Uh, and it had a little bit of that vibe last night, but not so much. So when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were actually talking about the big table in front that's normally there and Meryl Streep being completely blitzed, I, I didn't get that completely, but that's kind of the Golden Globes atmosphere. Is that why they were saying that? Exactly. Usually the you know the big A-listers are up front and they're they're uh, ripe for the roasting. Uh, generally, there's a lot of you know jokes at their expense uh, about about their fame, about their money. Um, so yeah, it's a good time. Uh, it's generally the most loose of the award shows for sure. There were a few people in attendance last night. Who did they decide to invite? Oh, uh, they invited the first responders, which I thought was an interesting touch. I did not expect that. Um, so it was, a, I think, a, a first responders and possibly paramedics. I'm not 100% on that, but definitely first responders. So they got a nice little front row seat for that, which is pretty cool, even though there were no celebrities there. But still, it was cool. It was cool. We are talking Golden Globes with Chris Jancelowitz, entertainment and trending supervisor at Global News. Chris, one of the other things that Amy Poehler and Tina Fey joked about was the fact that there haven't been a lot of movies made over the last little while, or they were joking about binging old TV shows that Columbo might be up for an award. How much of this past year was really like that? How much truth was there to that joke? You know, uh, I think everyone probably identified with that, um, especially Canadians, because we, especially when it comes to movies, we haven't really been made, uh, they haven't been made available to us. We haven't really been able to see them. So, uh, for example, Nomadland, which actually won Best Picture last night, uh, the majority of Canadians, in fact, I'd say probably a good 95%, have not had the option to see that movie yet. So it's kind of hard for us to be intrigued and interested in what's going on at the award show. We haven't even seen the movie, um, but uh, should be coming to Canadians soon. 
Um, but I think overall, this award show really showcased uh, how we've all felt in the last year, uh, really isolated, kind of insulated in our own homes, watching, you know, TV shows, stuff like Columbo. I've personally been rewatching Golden Girls. Um, so, you know, it's just, it, this is what it's been like. We haven't really been going out to theaters. We haven't really been watching movies, except if they're maybe on Netflix or on another streaming service. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a totally universal feeling. And um, a lot of people have said to me today, you know, I didn't even know what they were talking about. Um, but don't worry, you're not alone. Chris, you have to tell us, how well does Golden Girls stand up? You know, it's pretty damn funny. <laughs> it is still funny, even now. Uh, there's a few awkward moments, um, especially when it comes to, like, race or uh, even uh, gender identity and um, homosexuality. But, uh, you know, it's it's par for the course. It was the late 80s. What do you want, you know? But, um, yeah, it, it's still pretty funny, i got to say. Chris Jancello is joining us. Entertainment and trending supervisor with Global News. You mentioned a lot of the movies not being available in Canada, but we still had a big Canadian flag to wave with Shit's Creek, and there was some question as to how it would do because it's had some success at other award shows. How did it do this time around? Well, it swept the Emmys uh, late last year, which was great for the first time in history. I think the first comedy to ever sweep every single award in the category. Pretty amazing. Um, and then last night it didn't do as well. I think some of the, the sheen has kind of worn off. Um, but that said, uh, it still won Best Comedy, which is a fairly big award. And uh, our queen, Catherine O'Hara, uh, won for uh, Best Actress. So uh, that's th- those two are pretty, pretty big awards pretty coveted awards. Uh, the, her acceptance speech was a little awkward. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't but, see that. Uh, Why was it awkward? Uh, so I think it was her husband next to her on the couch while she was accepting, and he seemed to be playing some sort of music from his phone. I think it was supposed to be walk-off music, and it was supposed to be a joke. I'm not sure, but in any event, it was incredibly awkward because the music drowned her out, so you couldn't even hear what she was saying. And not to mention there was technical glitches, uh, so it just was kind of a mess. Uh, if it was meant to be a shtick, it kind of it failed pretty badly. Yeah. But everyone wow. loved her, so who cares? Let's, let's ignore that. I just kind of said, you know, the less said about it, the better. Uh, let's just celebrate her victory and, and move on. Well, that wasn't the only technical glitch. They had one kind of off the top yeah. after the first award. Any awards stand out to you as we close out our conversation? Any winners stand out or anything you think will prompt us to say, hey, when I can watch that, I'm going to? Well, I'll just say the crown swept everything, um, pretty much TV drama-wise. So if you haven't watched the crown yet um, and you have interest in the crown, I would suggest watching. It's a pretty great show. Um, you know, it is fiction. It's not real. Uh but it's, you know, it's a twist on history, and uh, I thought it was pretty engaging to watch. So I would suggest that, and I would say that uh, Nomadland, in terms of movies, expect that to probably clean up at this year's Oscars. Okay. Well, Chris, we really appreciate the update on this. If you want to read more, you can simply head to globalnews.ca, and Chris has a fantastic recap on winners like the crown, and we didn't even get to Chadwick Boseman, so you can read about that, and and Borat. Somehow Borat fit in, because it's not Borat 2, right? It's Borat something else, another movie. Subsequent movie movie film. Subsequent movie. Subsequent movie film, and he showed up. So find out about that at globalnews.ca. Chris, thanks for the time today. No problem. That is Chris Jancelowitz. Chris is our entertainment and trending supervisor at Global News. Yeah, if this had been a regular movie year, would Borat's subsequent film 
have shown up. There's a lot of catching up that people have been doing because there has been a lot of binge watching and finding movies gets tough when movies aren't being made and you think, yeah, I don't know, I've watched it. There's, I wish I knew the name of it and I'll have to find out because I forget. I'm getting to that age. But my son has an app which helps you to kind of focus in on movies that fit what you like, basically the same way that a lot of the search engines work for the streaming services. You start clicking on things, and it starts realizing, oh, you like that, but not like you don't like that. You you like that, but you don't like that. And so it gets it down. But what it does, you can put together lists, or you can look at other people's lists and see, you know, I, I haven't actually watched that. I've never seen The Godfather. Should I take the time and watch the Godfather series? Because I was looking through this app on the weekend, and it had somebody had compiled a list, thousand best movies. I didn't get beyond a hundred before I kind of did something else. But I was looking through it. I think that Godfather was number two or number three, and I thought I've never watched that. And people say that's the best. Citizen Kane was actually number one on that list. Anybody seen Citizen Kane? Are these movies that stand up well? Because if you look at, for instance, Scarface. So Scarface, you would put kind of in the same genre as The Godfather. If you try and watch that movie, I can remember being on the London Knights bus and somebody put in Scarface and it didn't last because it didn't stand up. The first scene, I think Al Pacino is Tony Montana and he's driving around the streets and he's got a joystick, and he's controlling something. The movie didn't make it beyond that with teenagers. We're not watching this. What is this? What is, what is he doing? Is a joystick? We're not watching this. And it was quickly replaced by, I don't know, Joe Dirt or Billy Madison or one of the classics, at least hockey bus classics. So does it stand up? Does The Godfather, could you watch that? Could you watch? I suppose you could watch Citizen Kane, right? That would never be a problem. Citizen Kane is what it is. It's, you know, it's like Gone with the Wind or uh, It's a Wonderful Life. It's like those movies where you're thinking, yeah, I, I know what I'm getting into. But The Godfather would be one of those movies that would have to at least come into today's era, wouldn't it, to be enjoyed? And, hey, I could spend some time because what? There's Godfather 2, Godfather 3. Shoot me an email if you've seen The Godfather. Give me a quick review as to whether or not that would be something worth watching over the next little while. Throughout this pandemic, we've been trying to cover things right close to where we are. Sometimes the end of your nose, what's happening? What's happening with what we're doing right now? We're going to get some information on what's at, at least the outstretched reach of your fingertips when we hear from the Middlesex London Health Unit and the City of London in a little over an hour from now. They have a daily briefing that is coming up, and they will no doubt be asked questions about vaccine rollout, and at least those conversations are happening. And while we are covering what we can reach and touch in this area, it's always good to get some perspective far beyond what we can reach and touch. And we have been to Germany, and we have been to Spain, and we've been all over the U.S., and every once in a while we do go to the U.K., thanks very much to my wife's family. 
Her sister is Leanne Stanford and joins us right now as we talk about the vaccine rollout. Because, Leanne, on Saturday you had an appointment booked and it wasn't for a haircut. Uh, No, definitely no haircuts happening here until the middle of April. Um, But, yes, Friday night I got my, uh, my first jab, first of two jabs as they call them here, my vaccine shot. And, um, yeah, it, I'm one of now 20 million people in the U.K. that have had their first jab at least. 20 million. And in Canada, somehow it feels like we're soon to hit double digits. It just seems to be crawling along. But that's, that's a story. And, of course, yes, we're far beyond double digits. But it just feels like we're crawling along. So when you found out that you were eligible how did that happen yeah so i um the uh sort of national news was saying that they were calling for people who were 70 and older to book their appointments if you hadn't heard already to contact your you know your family doctor and um i got a text message and the text message says you've been invited by your uh, GP to um, to have a jab. And, and yet, uh, you, you are not 70 and older. 70s. Yeah. No. So, um, but I did, when I was pregnant, have a blood clot. And so there are many people now that I've talked to who, if you have problems with circulation, you seem to get bumped up the list a bit. So someone I know has had a heart attack, and they've they've got a jab. Someone who takes high blood pressure medicine, they've been invited, and they're only in their 40s. So it's all the circulation things seem to be what get you on the list a little bit higher up. Um, Mm. That said, they're bringing, you know, it seems like once a week... They announce yet another category of people to be uh, invited into it. So it will have only, you know, brought my injection forward by maybe three weeks. But at the same time, you now have that coursing through you. And we're talking with my sister-in-law, Leanne Stanford, in the UK, getting some perspective on how things are going there. Which one did you get? That's going to become a question that is asked in casual conversation. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, And it's because nobody ever, ever asks this for any other vaccination that they have. You don't say, oh, what, what, what jab did your kid get for measles? Right. They so all of a sudden everybody knows. And I think that's really good as a scientist that people are inquisitive and getting informed about it. Um, I got the Pfizer one, the one that needs the sort of deep refrigeration. Um, but they've got it sorted out so that I had it in the normal doctor's office type scenario. So, um, you know, it, it's uh, and I've had friends who have had the other ones. Um, they're all working towards getting, you know, herd immunity here in the UK, and it will happen in Canada as well. Well, we're we're hoping we're not nearly as far along as you are. Any particular side effects or anything, Leanne? Um, not. You know, it's it was uh, 
very similar to a normal flu shot kind of thing, you know, a slightly slightly sore arm, a little bit sleepy. Um, I think I was a bit more sleepy because I was so excited to get it. And <laughs> no doubt. I, tra- I talked to the nurses about it, and they said people get it sometimes and cry. They're just so happy to know that they're being protected. You know, you don't get that with a normal flu shot. No, no, I can't remember the last time we saw somebody cry at a flu shot that maybe wasn't under the age of five and was a little concerned (laughs) about it. We're talking with Leanne Stanford in the UK. Leanne is a part of the science community, so sees this in a number of different ways. So overall, in... In Britain right now, how would you say morale is? Is it changing? Do people say things differently, or are they less concerned? Or is this still a, hey, more and more people are getting the jab, but everybody's still locking it down, staying home? Everybody's still locking it down. So as of uh, last, I'm just looking for the, yeah, as of... um, Today, Monday, March the 1st, there's been 122, nearly 123,000 deaths in the UK. So that's what half the population of London, something like that, gone. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, uh, well, yeah, it's about a third. Yeah, so it's um, everybody is. Uh, is treating it very seriously and we're still in lockdown Um, the kids go back to school all the kids go back to school next Monday Um, and then they've announced a plan to sort of bring us out of lockdown and it goes in five week windows so they do something they let it sit for three weeks see how the numbers go, see how the transmission and the infection rates are, and then they can make a give you a two-week announcement that in two weeks' time they'll go to the next step. Whereas in the previous ones, it's sort of like, oh, this isn't looking good. Um, we'll tell everybody tomorrow <laughs> that all of a sudden you can't get your hair cut, you can't go to the dentist, <laughs> you know. And whereas now it's much more sort of informed, people have been through it, so the buy-in is greater. Um, it's still very quiet. You know, some of the stores, um, you know, a sporting goods store is available for click and collect, so you order it online and you go in at a certain time to pick your stuff up. So it's that kind of thing. And... Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just looking forward to, you know, March 8th is when school starts, and then the next window is the 12th of April. So that's when we're hoping that kids will be able to do their sports clubs, you know, the outdoor soccer classes and um, gymnastics and swimming lessons, all those kinds of things for kids. And then they'll roll it out a little bit later for adults. 
Well, that at least is encouraging, and those dates, I mean, we're sitting here wishing we could hear dates like that. It's going to be a little bit longer in Canada and certainly in Ontario. We're talking with my sister-in-law, Leanne Stanford, who lives in the U.K., part of the science community, and is able to give us a sense of how things are going there. Do they have a date when they say, hey, if we're projecting toward things seeming normal, this is the date? Um. All the dates are said, if everything, if you behave yourself and everything goes well, then we will um, consider it. And they're hoping that by the end of July that it will be, that they'll be able to have concerts and um, things like, you know, uh, big sporting events you know, soccer games and stuff like that. Hmm. All Um, of a sudden, that doesn't seem that far away. I mean, here we are, start of March. That's five months. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I wonder if it will ever really, really be the the same. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think there will be the sort of, it's funny, we were watching movies, and it was an election thing on a movie, and it was the the big scene where they drop all the balloons and everybody's cheering and hugging, and, and you just think, I can't imagine being in a room full of people that I want to hug and touch and be shoulder to shoulder with, or, you know, so I, yeah, I it's wonder... It's going to take a while, isn't it? Yeah, even if even if they do open it up. I don't know how long it will will happen. I could be, um, you know, my skepticism could be eliminated immediately, but I, I don't think so. Yeah, we'll probably have those, those kind of two or the dividing line between the two sides where you've got some people who say, yeah, no, we're, we're just going right back to normal, and you've got others who... Maybe apprehensive for a long, long time, and I think we'll probably live in that world yeah. for a while at least. Yeah, yeah, and I think the <clears throat> when I moved uh, from Canada, I was in Halifax to then I moved to England, and there were people then in 2005 that wore masks when they went to the grocery store, and that was hmm. the first time I'd ever seen that in Canada, and that was because of. Um, there's a lot of sensitivity to perfume and things like that. So you saw people do that to protect themselves. And then I didn't see that again until the beginning, sort of about a year ago. We were in the grocery store, my daughter and husband and I, and there was a guy with a full kind of gas mask on. And uh, she was really frightened. And we had to sort of explain why this man thought that it would be a good idea to wear a mask in a grocery store. And then, you know, look at us now. We're not happy if people show up somewhere without a mask. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you for the update on the UK, because if we can look across and say, hey, that's that's the part of the front of the parade, uh, we're still kind of back in it a little bit, but... We'll get to where the front of that parade is. Leanne, keep yourself safe, and thank you for the update, as always. Yeah, and for all those Welsh people out there, happy St. David's Day. 
wait a minute. The last time we talked, I think it was Guy Fox Day. We're now we're talking on another significant holiday in the UK. It is the National Day for Wales. So if you've got any friends with Jones or Davies or Williams or Thomas as their last name, they'll come from Wales. <laughs> so okay, I'm I'm almost tempted to give you a call tomorrow just to find out what holiday it is in the UK. You guys do a lot of <laughs> celebrating. Yeah, and I think it's been, you know, there's been people here a long time. They've got a lot of excuses. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. After yeah. a while, it's like retiring numbers with the Montreal Canadiens. After a while, everybody's got to wear 92. Leanne, exactly. thanks again and keep safe. We'll talk yeah, soon. we'll see you. <laughs> Bye-bye. That Bye. is my sister-in-law, Leanne Stanford, who's been keeping us up to date on how things are rolling out in the U.K., because whether it is the progression of the virus, whether it now is the vaccine rollout, they have that little step ahead of us. You can see them up there. We're on a different float, but we're still in this parade, and they're up there. We'll catch up to where they are in just a little while, and we'll be able to wave to the people they're waving to. So this month kicks off an interesting month, and that is fraud prevention. You don't want to be caught up in fraud of any kind, whether it's somebody who says, yeah, I'm going to do this repair on your house, and next thing you know, they're gone, and their phone number doesn't work, and you lost your down payment on the work, and the work hasn't been done. But things can go deeper than that even. Lauren Reed is the president of the Privacy Pro and joins us now. Lauren, thanks for being here. How are things? My pleasure. Things are pretty good. When we talk about Fraud Prevention Month, there are so many directions fraud can seem to go in these days. What one do you think heads the list? Well, I'm going to go with just an entire category of tricking people. Like, they, So, you know, like 20 years ago, um, you remember when online shopping just became a thing and it was just, you know, it was so stupid to use your credit card online. Only crazy people would do online shopping with a credit card. And that was our biggest concern about fraud was that you were going to put your credit card into a website and then somebody was going to make a bunch of charges. And that was our main concern when we thought about information security and teaching people how to protect their data. Um, and now that's one of the lower risk areas for fraud because there's all of these advances in, in the ways that um, banks and financial institutions detect fraud and security controls to put in uh, to prevent it. But uh, the weakest link is and always has been people. That There's a lot we can do to protect from hackers and things like that. But when it comes to people, uh, the only thing that we can do is uh, try to educate people. And that's tough to do because the, the fraudsters are getting smarter and more creative all the time. Isn't it wild to think that, yeah, we the first time, and I think everybody can remember this, the first time you ever bought something online, you put in that credit card number, and then you sat there and you, and you kind of looked at either the return button or the enter button or the send button or whatever it was, and you kind of looked around and you thought, it just, it, <laughs> I, I'm not, and then finally you hit it, and then, well, that just opens the floodgates. So you're saying that right now is not as much of a concern, so... So where are the fraudsters going that maybe 
that buying something online is not the concern, but that doesn't make concerns go away. What are they doing? Uh, they are playing to our emotions. Uh, the fraudsters are playing to all kinds of emotions, from love to fear. Uh, you see it, whether it's um, you know text messages or phone calls, and they target people with something that's very scary. They say, uh, you're in collections and you're going to, this is going to go on your credit report or there's a warrant for your arrest or you're going to be deported or your hydro is going to be turned off. Um, fraudsters will target elderly people and they'll say, oh, hey, grandma, it's me. Uh, I'm in jail and I really need you to send me some money and here's how you send some money. Or they say, your com- we've detected that your computer has a virus. Let me just teach you how I can take that off for you. And so they put us in this position where we're kind of, you know, adrenaline's up and, oh, no, I should be worried. And then we're not thinking clearly. And they take advantage of that by asking for money, um, asking us to send money uh, through wire transfers or bitcoins or gift cards. And we always think, we're talking right now with Lauren Reed, who's president of the Privacy Pro, it is Fraud Prevention Month. We always like to think, you know, I, yeah, I, I get it. The king of this company has a $2 billion fortune, and I'm going to be able to get some of that if I send him some money. I'll be able to spot anything that comes to me from supposedly a friend or a relative who seems desperate. I'll know that, just like I would know the king of whatever country it is. But it can be a little tricky. You mentioned the emotions kicking in and, and thinking, whoa, wait, yeah, okay, I can, I, uh, sure, I, I'll help. What, what, do you, what do you need? So what sorts of things do we need to look for before those emotions kick in? Because they will. Mm-hmm. Well, my company helps small businesses prepare for this uh, by because it's not always just fear. Sometimes we help people prepare by practicing. A lot of times it is just people's sense of politeness and niceness where you say, oh, could you please help me? Um, I forgot my password and I really, really need to log in. And could you just help me by giving me your password so that I can get this done really quickly? I used to do tests like that and people I would get the majority of people would say yes because they just want to be good people. And so um, you can prepare. If you're within your company or within your team or even within your family, you can practice these things. You can, you know, you can run through scenarios and then talk afterward and say, you know, here's what we learned from that. You know the magician, you know Penn and Teller, the magician yes. duo? Um, Penn Gillette was on a podcast and I, I listened to this like at least a year ago and I've never forgotten it. He was on the Tim Ferriss show and he said, my rule of thumb is that if you pick someone, you're really safe. If they pick you, you have to be careful. Meaning if somebody reaches out to you and they either want to help you or give you something or tell you that you need to give them something, you should be skeptical. So if you receive a call, if you receive a text message, you could you should have a little alarm go off in your head and say, "Hey, wait a second. Is this is this legit? If it is, if it's a call and they're saying you've been sent to collections or this is the CRA and there's a warrant for your arrest, you can say, "Okay, well thank you. What number can I call you back at?" And if it's a scam, they're going to hang up right away. <laughs> The CRA does not call you. Your bank does not call you. Neither of those organizations texts you. So 
be skeptical when someone's reaching out to you for any reason that involves money changing hands or information changing hands, importantly, as well. Great point. I mean, there's that call that you get now. I always love it because here we are in Canada and it will say, yeah, the Department of Justice has. And you think for a second, wait a minute. Yeah, that's not good. And then you think Canada doesn't have a Department of Justice. No, this this is not right. But that's the kind of thing that you have to catch. And if you don't catch it, it's pretty easy to think, oh, the, I mean, how many times have you answered a phone? There's another scam that goes around a phone scam that says your visa card uh, has mm-hmm. some strange purchases on it. Please, you know, enter your password or whatever, whatever they're looking for. And you have to think for a second if you don't own a visa card and think, wait a minute, I don't have a visa card. But even if you don't, it, it's enough to say because they're they're saying to you, you've got a problem. And you think, I didn't know I had a problem. And you're you're set to react to try and fix that problem. What great advice. If somebody's reaching out to you, then you got to be skeptical. You're okay if you're reaching out to them usually because, hey, let's face it, um, a lot of people who are, let's say, in financial trouble are going to suffer through that quietly. They're not just going to say, hey, Grandma, I need some money. Uh, fork it over. That's not, that's not the way it's going to go, but our brains don't let us think like that, do they? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's also embarrassing when it happens. And so there's a there's a report this year um, as part of fraud um, fraud awareness and fraud prevention month that says three out of four Canadians were targets of fraud and one out of three fell for it. And I suspect it's much higher because it's very embarrassing uh, when you fall for somebody's trick like that. And so sometimes you know there's there's romance scams and there's uh, you know people extorting money. Uh, you know, people will have online digital sexual interactions and then they'll record them and extort money. And so with these types of fraud that are based on, you know, that exploiting people's trust and fear, um, it, it can be it, it can get worse and worse because people are afraid to talk about it. It's so common. Um, it, it's and it'll continue to evolve. There's COVID-19 related ones as well. Um, there's just, you know, people should talk about it. You should especially reach out to seniors in your life, um, who, you know, maybe are, are, you know, are more trusting and maybe they're less experienced with, you know, um, digital technology and that sort of thing. I know that my grandmother used to get calls all the time of people saying that something was wrong with the house and we had to really worry about her and talk with her about, um, being skeptical of people. And that's a really unpleasant thing. And I wish that we didn't have to be that way. Um, but it's definitely something that you should be on your radar and, and yeah, be skeptical, but not cynical if someone's reaching out to you. Lauren Reed joining us, president of the Privacy Pros. We talk about the start of Fraud Prevention Month and how easy it is. Lauren, look at those numbers. Three of four Canadians have been targeted and one in three have said, yeah, I've fallen victim to this. Those are big time numbers so sure be skeptical not cynical anything else you think would help us out in trying to determine what's what have a conversation and say look if i'm ever in financial trouble i'm not sending you some kind of you know basic email to ask for money don't worry i I won't i'll show up at your door something like that but i won't send some silly email what should we be telling people if we're going to make that call 
to at least raise the conversation? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I would say, yeah, I would say, you know, I'm not going to call you. But if I do call you, you know, maybe we have a specific word that we use or I'm going to, you know, the Fraud Prevention Center recommends that if a family member calls you, uh, that you, before you give any money, that you check with other family members to determine if it's legit. The grandparent scam just says, oh, hey, grandma, it's me. I don't know about you, but I come from a Catholic family. My grandmother had 14 grandkids. And so you say, <laughs> oh, grandma, it's me. And so chances are she would be like, oh, that sounds reasonable that I have a grandkid that's in trouble and needs some money. But they prey on people like that. And so I would say that just talking about it and asking about it and being open as well. Um, and, you know, another thing to look out for is that these fraudsters are not looking for you to send money in legitimate ways. And so if you feel like, okay, well, this is my family member and I want to send the money. And then they say, well, I need you to send it as a gift card, or I need you to, I need you to wire it to this account or use Bitcoin or something. Cause they need to be untraceable for their, for them to not get in trouble. And so you'll see, um, you'll see these fraudsters asking for kind of weird and, and different forms of payment. And there's always some reason, well, oh, I wanted to do a wire, but my account blocked or something like that. Um, and so that's another thing to listen for is these, you know, kind of different forms of payment. You should always be skeptical of those as well. Well, this has been really helpful, really informative. Lauren, keep up the great work, and thanks so much for the time. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That's Lauren Reed, president of the Privacy Pro. It is Fraud Prevention Month. So just those little things, because you always think, I'll know. I will know. And then as all of this has kind of progressed, you know, you might have it at work. We have it here at Chorus Radio London where we will have to go through different workshops and training and they'll show you what to look for and little inconsistencies in email addresses or spelling mistakes or, you know, you go down and you, you see a little bit more at the bottom of the email. There may be something there that kind of gives it away. There's usually something that totally gives it away. And even if there isn't, as Lauren says, they're trying to get you to send money where it's untraceable. So here's how I want you to do it. Yeah, but, but Grandma, I know where you live. I could, I could just come over. And I could, you know, no, 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 no. We, we, we don't, we don't want that. We don't, we don't want that. So, watch out for it. It is Fraud Prevention Month. Thanks to Lauren for the conversation. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from one to three. 